You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Amen. Thank you so much, Jewel. Fair bit there this morning, but appreciate you reading us through that. As I said, I've been um, at a bit of a retreat the last three days and felt a sense just to move, shuffle around our verses. We will get to the last one, but appreciate your patience with that if you're reading along. But um, really felt led to speak on this this morning as we enter next week, a season that we're calling Miracle Month. I thought it was a great couple of verses leading into that. You'll see the post up there, which we'll explain in a bit as well. But as the church in general, uh, me and Mez are actually the last month, because of Miracle Month, being intentionally praying about the church. We normally pray about the church, but been praying about specific things. And, and this verse kept coming up, and so I'm excited to share with you this morning. And I'm going to speak a little bit from my heart today, so when I do that, it um, can be a little less structured. But yeah, I feel like the writer does the same here in Hebrews. I feel like he's given this theology around who Jesus is, um, who, who he's superior above all, and then he speaks a little bit from the heart. And we know this because he gets a bit frustrated. I like that... Um, that sort of, are you, are you deaf almost? <laughs> are you hard of hearing? Do you not get this? Are you drinking baby milk? He's a little frustrated. And so he speaks from the heart as well. He's saying we can do better. His bit is we can actually go deeper. He's saying this to the ancient Hebrew church. I reckon we can do better, he's saying, to paraphrase it. The message we have, the saviour we have, the gospel we're telling, the grace that we've received... He's saying, in light of that, I reckon we can push a bit deeper, can push a bit harder. He's saying the info that you have is not just good news, not just info. It has power to do things. It's a gospel that is transformative. It's not just a test. You won't get to heaven and there'll be a test and they'll ask you just to recite passages. It's good to know, it's good to soak yourself in the scripture, but it's just not going to happen. It's not asking you to rehearse, make disciples. Jesus is actually asking us to make disciples. And so this is what the writer is encouraging us with. And he uses two descriptions, and I'm going to have pictures up here in case you don't know what these things are. (laughs) But who? Milk and meat. And the reference is obviously towards baby milk. And meat. Sorry if you're vegetarian today, or vegan even, but these are the things he chooses to use. Milk and meat is how he describes it. He's saying you're only scratching the surface, early church. It's like you're drinking baby milk. It's not frustration. Now, we've got to be careful because we do this today. We we can use frustration as a way of manipulation. It's not passive aggression it's not you better do this i'm making you feel guilty he's frustrated because he's going it's like almost like not i'm so angry you better do better it's guys girls you're missing out on something that's incredible you're only just scratching you're just still on milk there's meat to be had it's like frustrated for them the things you're missing out I imagine, I have this image, it's like feeding a child. He's saying, I'm sick of going to you guys. Here comes the aeroplane, open wide. 
here it comes. Eat your dinner. That's the image I think he's trying to show us, that guys, at this stage in the early Hebrew church, with everything that's been preached in Hebrew so far, we should not be, it's okay if you're brand new, he's saying, but for these guys, they should be teachers, he said. <laughs> he should not be doing aeroplanes and opening the mouth anymore. They're adults. They can cut their own meat. They can chew on that. Maturity. So as that community approaches this verse, and as we approach this verse this morning, I ask the question, what does it look like to be a Christian still on milk? What does it actually look like to be a Christian still on milk? What does it mean to be on milk? As you know from, if you were here last week or you've been this, this is like a, a part two to Exodus. So it's Exodus, the Old Testament story, and then it goes on in Hebrews is what that looks like in light of Jesus. And I won't go through the whole story. We did that last week. We did that the week before. But I want to make references to Exodus because I think Exodus, again, gives us a great example of what it looks like to still be on milk. You see, the people of God, as you know, got, well, you may not know, but they got rescued from slavery. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you'll know this. The people of God got rescued from slavery. And has anyone thought about this? I, I think about this time to time. They're rescued, they're free, they're praising God. He's made a promise about the promised land. Why not just go there? Then and there. This big massive amount of people saying there's a promised land coming, why not just go there? And you might think, oh, I was far away, Steve. There's a bit of a journey to be had. Yeah, it's 400 kilometres away. Not 40 years of circulating it, even if you're a slow walker. <laughs> and so that doesn't actually work. It's, this is the path they went. You'll see up in one corner, you can see the red line. Instead of going straight across... Instead of going here, cross the Red Sea, boom, they go down here. And my favourite bit is at one point they circle, they do a complete circle and end up in the same spot. Why? Why did they do that? It's almost, ex it's almost as if Exodus tells us something about salvation. It's almost like it's telling us that you can be saved you can have your ticket to heaven. You can be free from the dominion and darkness of this world, but maybe there's more for God to do in you. I'm not saying you're not saved. Maybe there's a journey still to be had. I've heard it said, God took uh, the Israelites out of Egypt. He needed to take Egypt out of the Israelites. He needed some transformation. He wanted to build. A, we often think the promised land was the end goal. It was the beginning. They get to build the kingdom, back then, they get to build it. Build a mighty nation that broadcasts God's love and generosity to all other nations. It's the beginning. So he needs them to act like a nation of God, to be a nation of God, before he gives them a land. So there's this journey. He wanted them to grow into a royal priesthood. Did they? No. <laughs> we spoke about this last week. They didn't. They didn't. They spent their days wandering around, circling the very land that was promised for the next 40 years. How's that? Just walking aimlessly in the desert. 
complaining. You hear their conversations. It's not how good is God for rescuing us. It's we want water, which is fair enough. Starts off fair enough. We want food. Then it's we want other types of food. We want a different leader now. We want shelter. We want better shelter. We want a different God. Moses has been gone. He's talking to God. Let's make one out of a golden calf. That might do us better. And then even when they're darker days, they, they look back and they remember it glowing. <laughs> As we do on the past, it's all perfect. <laughs> oh, if only we could be back in Egypt. As slaves again. <laughs> Literally how they talk. Looking back, oh, wasn't it wonderful? I think this is a phenomenal example of what it looks like to be a Christian wandering around the desert, orbiting the promise of God, maybe possibly saved. They're saved from the Pharaoh and the dominion of darkness, but never digging in, just being on milk. What a, not a beautiful example, what a clear example I think of it this way. Here's a modern example for you. I'm not a big... I don't follow the footy. Sorry if that has put you off this morning. (laughs) Um, And you're going to go find a church where the leader does. I apologise. But I have gone to a couple of footy games and actually one thing frustrated me. And it was the guys... One time I went, the guys behind me, I've painted you a picture, um, maybe possibly a little overweight. So not footy players, that's what I'm trying to say. Let's pretend for the analogy's sake they've got a big chocolate milk. But let's, we know they probably had a couple of beers in them. They've got their team colours. And their mates have been a bit rowdy and they're yelling at the team. Now it's okay, not in a supportive way. You suck, except worse language that a pastor shouldn't say in church. They're saying to the team. You're horrible. Pick the ball up. Run faster. I'm obviously a footy guy. Listen to me using that footy language. <laughs> Catch the ball. And you think, I don't do this because I'm a minister, but I know the guy beside me was thinking, <laughs> turning around and going, do you guys want to have a crack at it? Because I reckon you're going to struggle to get down to the field, let alone run across it in the state that you're in. And I'm not saying don't go to the footy. I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm saying, what a great example though of what it looks like to just orbit and kind of, I mean, let's sit, like sit and just go and not actually be in the game. You'll say, yeah, but they're not the players. And you're right, that's what's different about the Christian faith. The Israelites were the key players. And since Jesus, if we have his Holy Spirit, so are we. We don't have to spectate. Don't have to just complain. Don't have to just point the finger and say, do better. We can play the game. Jesus comes down amongst us and says, all right, this is how you do it. He shows how to live, shows how to play the game, says, here's the Holy Spirit, so you don't even have to do it in my power. Gives the ultimate sacrifice, and then we know he wants us to be part of it because he leaves us. If he wanted to micromanage the team, he would have stayed. Because here's the Holy Spirit. Go. Go. Play. And it is play. 
It's hard play, but it is play in Christ because he's done it all. It is a sense of play and deep joy, even in the hard bits. Play ball. Imagine just circulating that. Imagine getting your ticket to heaven, getting your ticket of freedom and thinking, that's it. Not realising God has more work to do in you, that he wants to take you deeper, just out of your comfortable zone, out of your safety and deeper. You might say, good point, Steve, that's an interesting analogy, but is that what it means to have milk and meat? Is that really what the scripture means? Luckily, I don't have to try to convince you because they say it. Listen to this. In the Hebrews passage, it says in 12, well, first, oh, sorry, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. The word of righteousness being the gospel, the Bible, the words of Jesus, the message. He doesn't say, if everyone lives on milk, doesn't know the word of righteousness. He said, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. They don't know how to use it. They could rehearse. These guys, the Hebrews, could rehearse the Bible. They knew it off by heart, a lot of them. They'd recite it. They didn't know what it meant to live it out. It's like being able to rehearse the fruit of the Spirit. But then the next car that cuts you off, you you give them a nasty sign out the window. (laughs) It's no good knowing that it's love and peace if you can't at least ask God for love and peace and want love and peace. No one's perfect. That's why Christ is. And then it even gets deeper when when I looked up I wonder where milk and meat is used again. I found it to a letter in Corinth. Paul writes a letter in Corinth and he even goes deeper into this idea. He says there's this church. So we know the church in Hebrews, we know the Israelites. Now we're looking at another church in Corinth. If you think any church has to be perfect, just read the letters in the Bible and you realise we're all imperfect, we're all trying. But this, this, this church in Corinth, it says they're jealous and there's strife among you. You are, not, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. Saying They were actually saying, oh, we like this guy better. We're baptised by him. We're then saved by him. We like this guy. We like this guy. And Christ is going, you forget you're on the same team. <laughs> I love this. This is the key here. Paul says at the end of that passage Jewel just read beautifully. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. We are the team. You are God's field, God's building. He wants to do something in you. He wanted desperately to do something in the Israelites. He wanted desperately to do something in the Hebrews. He wanted desperately something to do with his community in Corinth. And I think he desperately wants to do something in us. Or continue to do something in us. You are God's project and working on a project called the kingdom. And when you understand everything that we've been preaching on thus far in Hebrews, that God is superior, that Jesus has, there's a sense of rest and joy and peace in him, it starts to overflow and that's called the kingdom. You start to build something while Jesus builds something in you. So here's the question. Are we a milky church? If we've just looked at three different milky churches, are we a milky church? 
If you've been around church long enough, you know, you're thinking, Steve, don't answer that question, even if whatever you think, if you're going to end it negatively or positively, that's a dangerous question and I'm not going to answer the question. Just a good question to ask. Are we milky individuals or are we a milky church? I don't know. I would say we kind of have milky parts and we have meaty parts. We're human. We have heaps of individuals. We're trying. We're on this journey. What I can say, though, I can give you some stray observations about our Western culture and the Western church as a whole. And then I can only speak for me as I've been praying through this where I believe God wants to move me that bit from a bit less milky to a bit more meaty. So I can only share on my behalf in a, hope, in a hope that it challenges you to consider yourself. So some stray observations. I believe the Western church as we know it very much is designed for mass consumption. Again, these aren't evil things. They're just interesting things in light of this conversation. And sometimes mass consumption can push us towards being a milky churches. Let me explain. We no longer say, say, you are the church. We attend church. What? (laughs) That's never said in the Bible, go and attend church. He calls us the church. There's a distinct difference between ownership and attending a concert, attending a show, attending a comedy night, don't know, insert, attending. Combined with that, since, uh, since the Roman Catholic Church kind of came about, when the Roman nation, or Roman Empire decided that its main religion is Christianity, we went from small tables in homes to rows, facing the performer. Not saying it's evil. Not saying I'm going to surprise you or we're going to go in tables next week. Just keep this in mind when we talk about being entertained and spectating. We literally design our church for mass consumption and entertainment. We can fight that. I'm not saying there's no hope. Just be, let this sink in for a bit. Oh, how about this? Communion. Every time it's described in the Bible is a meal. It's a meal where you're sitting around with wine and bread. It's a meal where you're confronting each other on the grievances you have. Hey, man, you said this the other day and I didn't appreciate it. Can we work this out? Young and old. Hey, just want to encourage you on this, exhorting. A meal together, face to face, around a table, eating and drinking. We have condensed it to a tiny little cup and a bit of bread, which is not bad. Every church does this because it's mass consumption. It's easy to get it out. How to do big meals. And sometimes we don't even stay for morning tea because we don't want to talk to anyone. (laughs) Communion was about communion with God and each other. Not evil. Isn't it interesting that everything is kind of working towards a entertaining church. Just need to keep watch. That's all. Churches are now known by their pastor. Oh, that's the past, that Pastor Steve's church. I don't think anyone knows this church by Pastor Steve. But if they did, churches are known by their pastor or they're known by their band or they're known by their style or they're known by their building, not 
what the people do or about in the community. Churches could fall over. In most churches, I honestly could fall over and the community wouldn't notice. I have a friend who was talking to someone, I think it was the principal, Burley Head State School. And she said, um, she said, how many, he's a minister, actually a minister at the Uniting Church down the road, or the Uniting Church plant. And he said to her, how many churches do you think is in Burley Heads? If you know this answer, there are like, they're calling it the Bible Belt lately. <laughs> it's probably about 60 or something of them. It's 250 churches on the Gold Coast. She goes, oh, it couldn't be more than two. <laughs> Let that sink in. <laughs> Seriously, we, we started there. So we must be one of them. We started Burley State School. So there's one. And she knew him. So what she's saying is, I think there's probably a Catholic church around, so maybe she was maybe more like three if she thought about it. I'm not talking about this church specifically, I'm talking about modern churches in general. Can sometimes disciple their people towards milk. Even as a pastor in a modern church, sometimes it can feel like I've got to bring the buckets of milk and get it out there and do that in an entertaining way and you either dislike it, like it, say yum yum or could you feed me something different next time. Sometimes it can feel like that right across the board, right across our churches. Again, careful, not saying this is all bad but surely the body of believers can be deeper than this. Amen? I'm not having a personal attack. I love this church. I love church. But surely there is a question here as we move forward let me give you my personal conviction from milk to meal i have a really strong sense lately and i can only talk about me that the last 2.5 years that i've been here has needed for various reasons which it's not about this morning has needed a more assertive leader just the season we've been in kind of gather the troops this is where we're going can we get on board? I feel a sense, I'm not saying that's bad, I'm not saying that's what the season needed, I feel personally convicted into the next season, or personally encouraged into the next season, to be one of empowerment. Instead of asking the question, saying this is where we're going, personally, I feel like God is calling me into a deeper place to say, what are your giftings? I actually would love to stop having conversations more often than not about the milky things in our church, what we don't like, what we're tired of, what we do like. They can happen. They're important. I'd like less of that. And I'd love to have more conversations about what is your spiritual gifts? How can we empower you where you are to share Christ? Meaty conversations I know that I've gone a little bit far in the one way when I'm the sound guy as well as the preacher. <laughs> that maybe I need to be asking people to help out, empower people. That's just a little inkling as I was reflecting the last three days. Yeah, there's probably an empowerment issue there. So that's me. I'm being vulnerable with you guys. That's where I'd love to head in this next season. If we can move to a deeper place, I'd love to see myself move to a deeper leadership style. It's about empowerment. I'm still exploring that, 
still working what that means. But I want God to keep building something in me. What's, what about you? He talks about a mustard seed growing into a big, strong tree. Where are you in that picture? What's he building in you? What does it look like to get more meaty? Well, let me ask a question. How do you get meat? How do you get meat? (laughs) You've already seen the answer. You kill something. It's gross. It's a bit harsh. But that's how you get meat. You kill something. Let me soften it with Jesus' words because he's way better at communicating this than me. (laughs) He says, way less harsh, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. Something needs to die in order to move deeper and it's ourselves, as Jesus says. Or die every day. Not a literal, be careful if you don't know me, I'm not talking literal death, I'm talking a spiritual death. To continue to move from milk to meat, which we've got that timeline up there, very intricate timeline you'll see I've drawn, <laughs> you need to an ever-increasing realisation that this is not about you, it's about Jesus. To move from milk to meat, church, is us as a community, as individuals, I need to move every day more and realise this is not about me. It's about Jesus. To move forward from milk to meat is a strange term. I like it said this way. We need to move from a place of saving grace to transforming grace. Let me say that again. I didn't write it. I heard it. I can't quote it. I wish I wrote it. Saving grace, where you've got the ticket, you're sitting there, you're waiting for heaven, to transforming grace, where God is building something in you. Now, sacrifice might sound hard, but... Let me let you in. If you're new to the church, if you don't realise this, it's secretly, the, it's not even secretly, it's a good news. It's not meant to be a secret. It's the best sacrifice you could ever make. Why? Because the biggest sacrifice is already given. We're about to sing a song in just a short moment called Come to the Altar. You come to the altar to give your sacrifice and you'll find it's empty. But Christ has already given it or he'll provide one as he does in the Old Testament. You sacrifice out of what Christ has already given you. He's paid the price. You already actually have a seat at the table. It's done. It's like the Israelites circling the promised land, not realising that God wants them to go in. We are the same, church. We have it right there. We only need to lean into it. There is human sacrifices, but quite often it ends up blessing us or someone else. Let me explain. 7.30 in the morning, Miriam and our leaders get here and they do the vision. It would be easy to sit up there because what you don't realise, everything that goes wrong here gets blamed on Miriam. So I could see someone find a pencil on their seat and look back at Miriam and go, can you deal with this? Because poor Miriam, it's a big sacrifice. She gets up early, she comes and does the vision. There would be some days, probably not Miriam, maybe. She thinks, why do I do this? Does this help the kingdom? But we just got to enjoy 
a time of gathering together and worshipping our God. Thanks to Miriam's service, sacrifice, ended up blessing someone else. What? That's the best type of sacrifice ever. It's like a cheat. It is cheating because Jesus has already done it. Or what about this? You're feeling tired. The kids are wrecked. You're like, I might not go to church today. Families, understandable, especially if they're sick. But what you don't realise is your presence there may not be about you. It may be the worst Sunday of your life. Mez and me can testify. We've had some rotten Sundays. Well, I haven't because I'm up here and Mez has got to deal with them in there. She's like, I didn't even hear the sermon. Noah screamed the whole time. Then, then Bell almost ate peanuts and died. That was a great Sunday, hallelujah. But what she doesn't realise is her sacrifice, your sacrifice of being here might be an encouragement to someone else who just needed to see you today, who needed to be ex- encouraged by you today and think if they can do it, I can do it. It's a blessing. That's the best type of sacrifice ever. Know the price is actually paid that someone else did die Jesus, and the depth of relationship can be met. It does mean personal sacrifices, but they end up building something in us. That day a week, you might say, I'm having it off and I'm dedicating it to the church or the mission or relationship with someone. I promise this, if you take a day off work, I can guarantee this, you will earn less money. Hear this, church. You take a day off work, insightful, write it down. You will earn less money. It's good. But you might end up some... I'm not asking you all to take a day off work. But you might end up building something eternal. The best type of sacrifice ever. You will have less money. Likely. Unless you arrange something weird with your boss. Where you can work... Yeah, doesn't matter but you'll build something eternal and end up blessing someone's eternity. We're blessed to sacrifice as we move from saving grace to transforming grace. We don't do it in our own power. We don't do it in our own strength. God's already done it. We reach out of that, get to sacrifice from that, and then end up blessing somebody. That's awesome. This is my heart. This is why it's a little bit more sporadic this morning. My heart is to see this church deepen. I'm not saying it's not deep. If you're hearing that, you're not understanding what I'm saying. I'm saying there's many different parts, many different places. I think we can deepen as a church. I think in this next season, we can start to sacrifice more for some of us and bless more, deepen. Do you know what they call Quick side note, do you know what they call in the Bible sacrifice that ends up blessing others? It's this word you may have heard, it's called worship. That's what worship is. Our consumeristic Western world has condensed it to 15 minutes of singing, which it is worship. True worship as defined by the Bible is exactly that. Giving, surrendering on your knees to Christ. And do you know what, sometimes it actually blesses you. More often than not, how good's God, it ends up blessing you and you actually enjoy doing it. It's called worship. So, milk to meat. Simple question to finish up today. Where are you? What's God calling you to lean into? 
If you're sitting there going, Steve, you know I'm already at full capacity, then, then, then I haven't communicated well enough. I'm not saying you have to do more necessarily. You can be more in Christ and you can be refreshed by his grace and let him build something in you. Maybe it's a season where you need something built in you. Maybe for others, you just found Jesus and you need some baby milk. Great. We have a baby milk to semi non-baby milk called Alpha and we'd love you to join us in going through some of the basics. That's okay to be on milk. Maybe you want to lean in a bit more. Maybe you've realised, hang on, I'm not just attending church, I want to be part of the church. Maybe it's a new season for you and this change that this church has had and it's a conversation with me or any of our leadership about what your giftings are now, what you can do in this season. We have some phenomenal stuff running. Playgroup, kids ministry, we've got some leaders in that. We've got this op shop in there where we get to connect. I, yeah, Will, there was a lady this week that said to John Edwards, she said, it's like you've designed the op shop for connection and to love people that walk in. <laughs> I was like, we literally have that written somewhere on our vision of what that is. So you can be part of that. You can serve the church. We do need a sound guy if you're gifted in that way. If you're not, we'll work through that and work something else. But if you're gifted in that way. Come ask me. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts is, it's my favourite question. It's much better than you coming up after and saying, oh, you went a little long this morning. Come and ask me what your spiritual gifts are. And I'll say, yeah, I did go a little long. But would you like to find your spiritual gifts? Milk to meat. So question, what would it look like? This miracle month, this is what the month is about. Because Corinth struggled with it, Hebrews struggled with it, Israelites couldn't do it. So we need a miracle if we're going to push deeper. We need a Christ-sized miracle if we're going to go deeper in this next season. Let's be praying on our knees. What would it look like, sacrifice or change in your life, to make one step towards deeper relationship with God and his community this miracle month? What would it look like, sacrifice or change in your life, to make one step towards deeper relationship with God and his community this miracle month? Obviously, we have an external giving thing we're doing to grow wider as a church and to update our building, that'll all be in your church news next week and we'll reach to that. But the heart behind Miracle Month is not just money. It's about saying, church, what a season to pray about going deeper, digging deeper roots for everyone, your pastor included. Last time I'll ask this question, and if you want to write it down, please be praying about this. In terms of a heart of worship, what would it look like for Burley Heads Church of Christ, you as an individual, to sacrifice or change to make one step towards deeper relationship with God and his community this miracle month, from baptism to alpha to something else? Band, I'm going to ask you to come up. And um, let's pray. Father, thank you for seasons. Thank you as... It thaws out. Winter thaws out. The flu season dies down. We pray we can make this season something special as a church. We can do what the Israelites couldn't. We can wrestle with what the church in ancient Hebrew 
or the Hebrews wrestled with or ancient Corinth wrestled with and we can look to go even deeper into you, Lord. We can push deeper. It won't happen off the back of a sermon. It won't happen just because we want it to happen, Lord. We know we have to reach into you and possibly sacrifice, possibly change some things in our life to end up blessing others and even ourselves sometimes as you build something new. Father, let this be the heart of Miracle Month. Let it be a month of growth. We'd love to see more people, but seriously, we'd love to be deeper people, Lord, in you, more in love, more in trust, more in rest in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. 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 Name.